You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Pretty soon, Ryan is going to be uh, taking over this class for a while, and I do look forward to that. I love to teach and preach. I really do. I could, uh, man, I... You know, there, there's been times where I've, uh, you know, preached, I don't know how many times within a week or a month, and I don't get tired of it. I love it. Uh, but at the same time, I love giving other people opportunity, and I love hearing uh, the Lord speak through other people as well. So uh, I'm excited about uh, that and hearing uh, and seeing which way the Lord leads Ryan for uh, the class here. But anyway, in Romans chapter number one, we've been talking about, what we talked about last week, the perspective of an effective Christian. We started in Romans chapter number one as we are considering the Apostle Paul being a great pattern of what it looks like to be an effective, uh, an effective Christian. And we understand that he was a preacher of the gospel. Um, and we know that there's a distinction there. I do believe, uh, according to the word of God, we'll see this in just a moment, but that God truly does call people to preach the Word of God. Uh, I do not uh, believe, based on the Word of God, that people just, you know, people can try to just choose as a profession to be a pastor, uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, if you're going to be a, a preacher it's, uh, in, in the true sense of the word, uh, then th- that's a calling of God that God puts upon one's life. However, as we shared last week, a calling that God has put on every one of our lives, number one, is to be saved. So if you're not saved, uh, it is God's will for you to be saved. And if you are saved, it is God's will for you also to be someone who shares the gospel. But it all starts with what we talk, looked at last week, Paul's surrendered position. And I'll just say a thing or two about that before we move on. And try to get into verse 8. But we're just kind of looking generally verses 1 through 7. We started in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. A couple things that I didn't say last week was it's interesting that as was noted earlier, Paul's name. Now, does anybody remember what Paul's name was before the Lord saved him? Saul, that's right. He was Saul of Tarsus. Paul, it's interesting that, that his name was changed to Paul because... Basically, one of the meanings of the word and the name Paul is small or little. It's it's small. So Paul didn't consider himself a big shot. And so his name was changed from kind of that royal name to a fairly humble name, a servant of Jesus Christ. And again, we talked about last week also, that means slave, called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel and the the thing that we took a moment to point out there and emphasize was Paul's surrendered position the perspective of an effective Christian is understanding who we are in our position in Christ and the fact that since we are not our own and we have been bought with the price then it's important that we live for God in that way that if you're saved by the grace of God that you embrace the privilege and the blessing that it is to be a servant of the Almighty, to be one who has the privilege to be someone who is a servant of Jesus Christ. That is not just reserved for pastors and 
you know, full-time Christian workers. It is reserved for everyone who is saved by the grace of God, having the privilege to be a servant of Jesus Christ. But there's one thing about the Lord. We, we talk about this a lot of times in regards to salvation. Uh, the Lord will never force anyone to be saved. The Lord will never force anyone to serve Him. So the, the reason we say surrendered is that in order for the Apostle Paul to be able to be the effective servant he was, he had to call Jesus Lord. And not just call Him Lord by, you know, just saying it, but he had to mean it from his heart. So... The surrendered position, one of my favorite verses, because it's impacted me so much, is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And of course, the Lord is using the Apostle Paul once again in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. But the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, I, I, I'm begging you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So getting saved is, is a wonderful start, best thing that will ever happen to you. But it is just the beginning. Because... After we're saved, it's important that we are surrendered, that we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to present my body to you. I'm going to present my life to you. And, of course, I, I oftentimes like to change the pronunciation of the word uh, present to present. <laughs> I'm going to present my body to you. In other words, I'm going to give get this gift I'm giving you, Lord. You've given me everything. You've given me salvation. You've given me life. You've given me forgiveness. Lord, I want to give you my body. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my will. You ever done that? Have you ever said, here am I, Lord? You know, like, uh, was that Jeremiah that said that? Here am I, Lord, send me. Uh, I mean, have you ever prayed that way? Now, here's the question, though. Have you ever prayed that way, but uh, then got away from that? You know, you, you put your all on the altar uh, but then you begin to take it back off again. There's an Old Testament offering that's pictured in Romans chapter 12, and it's the burnt offering. And if you know about, much about the burnt offering, the burnt offering, it was just burnt. It was burnt up till there was nothing left. And that's how God wants us to surrender to Him. Uh, so I want to encourage and challenge you as a child of God to surrender your life to God. To say, Lord, here am I, send me. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, how about this one, whatever you don't want me to do, whatever it is, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. And uh, that, that, and can I just share this in a way of testimony? Man, there's no, other, uh, no greater thing to do than that. What's, what's some of the things that could maybe hinder us from giving our all to the Lord like that, to surrendering our everything to Jesus. What's, what's some of the things that you can imagine being a hindrance to saying, okay, Lord, here it is, I give you everything. I give you my body, I give you my life, my time, my future, I give it all. Ralph? 
Yeah. Yeah, so getting so overwhelmed by just life that you're living right now, it's like, I don't have time to think about surrendering my life today. I've got to get up. I've got to, go, you know, I've got to, maybe I've got to do something with the kids right away, and then I've got to head off to work, and then I've got to, and it's like you, you, you never take the time. Maybe you just don't think about uh, why you're doing what you're doing, surrendering your life. What was you going to say, Ryan? Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, I've already made plans, and that and that can be from a young person to us older people. Now, well, I've kind of got this laid out already. I've got figured out, you know, I'm, you know, wherever you are in your life, maybe you're getting close to retirement, or maybe you're working towards retirement. And you know, we can get so caught up, and it kind of reminds me of goes along with Ralph's a little bit. Sometimes we can get so caught up with the American dream that we forget to have a dream for God. And forget to have a vision for God. Uh, and so, yeah, I've got plans already. I don't need to surrender my life to the Lord because what if God changes those plans? God may not change those plans. But the, 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 one of the problems is, I guess I'll say, add my part of why we sometimes struggle with it. I've got plans. I'm going to surrender to the Lord. And then I tell you, God may not change those plans. You may, may do exactly what God has told you to do. But here's the thing. He's not going to guarantee you that before you surrender. That's what we often want from God is, okay, God, I, I'll gladly give my body. I'll give my life. I, I'll, you know, my, my body, my time, my, uh, my checkbook, my future. I give it all to you, Lord. But, Lord, I just need some, uh, promise, some, some, some promises first uh, that you're not going to require this or you're not going to ask me that. Um, but, it, but there's the uncertainty there. So uh, he may indeed, you may, but here's the thing. Okay, go ahead. I'll, let, me, let me get back with you again. Okay, anybody else on any thoughts what would hinder us from surrendering fully to the Lord? Cheryl? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just, just this morning, I read about Moses. Who am I, Lord, to go down and deliver your people? Uh, I can't do it. Uh, so absolutely, that's, that's a bit, I think that's a, a very good one also. I saw another hand go up on, yeah, Ron? Yeah. Yeah, I, I literally have written on my desk right now. Uh, I have written on my desk right now. Don't be a victim. I, I wrote this out myself. I mean, but, but do not be a victim of your own limitations. I just had to put that down there because the dreams that I have, you know, this is our Victory and Vision Sunday. Um, as, as, we, as we look back at what God's done and look ahead as we, you know, vote on the, this year's budget later, uh, you know, they're, they're, with the dreams and the visions that I've had from this church and, and the things, man, I'm telling you, uh, every day of my life, I'm working in some way to just see God continue to bless and grow and, and, and th this church, you know, from, from each individual Christian, each, every one of you being strengthened and edified to reaching more people just across the board. But as I'm going through some of this stuff, I get really overwhelmed sometimes because I think, wait a second, you know, who do you, you can't do this stuff. You know, I, I, I'm not able to do this. I mean, even... Uh, yeah, so that's a great point. I think about, I was struggling with uh, 
I've, we've, I've started doing, uh, basically started, it's, it's just starting as a devotion, a weekly devotion that I'm doing in the public school here every week. Uh, but leading up to that, man, I was really struggling with like, oh, I don't know, man. It, I, I don't know about you, but we all have our different little problems. But mine is, uh, I, I encourage you not a lot not to fear failure, but I kind of fear failure. So I'm scared to try sometimes. You may not be like that, but I'm scared to try sometimes because what if it don't work out? What I'm really scared to try sometimes is like something as a pastor or a teacher to where I'm trying to do something different and new, and it's and it depends on people kind of showing up for it to feel like it's working. Uh, what if I do this and people don't show up? That's going to be so embarrassing. So I just had to tell myself, I was like, well, I got two kids there at the school. They'll be there, you know, literally. But my first time going, that's exactly what I said to myself. But the first time, I bet we had a dozen. The next time, we probably had 20. The third time was this past week, we probably had 25 to 30 uh, kids there. So it's awesome the way the Lord's blessing it. But, uh, but Kurt, what did you have? Lack of faith, yeah. Ain't that something? It's awful. What Kurt just said is awful, but what Kurt just said is where so many of us are. Well, this is pretty good right now. Is what God has better? I'm telling you, I, 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 that's the same way. That's, it, it's awful if you think about us as, as human beings, the, 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 the doubt that we have and the lack of faith that we have toward God. And I say us. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's scary. And, and I can go back to, I go back personally you know, these verses have changed, really changed my life. I thank God for one of my mentors, Brother John Melton. And, man, th this was something he would hit on a regular basis. You, you wouldn't hear him preach or be around him very long but, that he wasn't talking about the perfect will of God for your life. Because that verse talks about the perfect will of God. <laughs> will you surrender to God? I mean, and he just challenged me and challenged me in that. But I'm telling you, man, it was scary. Because I would surrender to a lot, Right? Anybody? Uh, and, and I think that's the thing. As a Christian, a lot of times, there's probably some things that you don't have a problem surrendering. Okay, you know what, Lord? I, I'll, I'll do this. Sure. I'll, I'll surrender. I'll surrender. And maybe this isn't a place where you're at right now, but, but a lot of people can at least surrender enough time to say, you know what? I'm going to be at church. I'm going to do that. I'll, I'll surrender that. I'll, uh, maybe, maybe you've got committed in your giving. Uh, and that's just something that's almost become sort of second nature for you. You just give. You, 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 you get paid. You don't think about it anymore. Maybe you're still struggling. But, but there's certain ways. But then to say, okay, Lord, anything. Because a lot of times, it's just like this one thing. What if God, what if God calls me to do something I don't want to do? Or what if God calls me to do something that I can't do? All right, any, any other thoughts on uh, things that would hinder us, uh, Doria? Yeah, yeah, I feel like she's uh, berating me right now. Uh, laziness and procrastination, uh, that's a good one. Ralph? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's for a lot of people. We see that with the Laodicea church in general. Uh, but I, I just I just back up to say that I, that 
There's something about surrendering your life to God. And I'm, and I'm being serious here and asking the question, have you ever actually verbalized to the Lord, got in the altar, uh, and said, Dear Lord, I give you my all. I surrender all. We can say, I surrender some, and I surrender most. But we don't too often say, I surrender all. Uh, and that's a challenging place to get to. and Because I can tell you, I, I can't tell you the times as a young person that I would come to the altar, Sharon, and I would come with the intentions of saying, Lord, I surrender all. But I would get down and just say, Lord, and I just couldn't do it. Because that doubt was, I, I was ready to surrender a lot. I was, I was, I was ready to surrender. I felt like 90-something percent, close to 100% of things. But what if God says this? What if I surrender and I'm not allowed to, to do this what I like anymore? Or, you know, I think for me, being younger, it was, what if God changed? What if God calls me someplace I don't want to go? Right? Uh, so, so we could think about those things. So I want to I challenge you today as we think about Paul surrendered. He, he was a servant of Jesus Christ. He was called to be an apostle. Every one of you have been, if you're saved, you've been called to be a servant. And you've been called to surrender. You've been called to say, Lord, I give it all. Um, now, can we think about some other reasons why we should and why we, why we should surrender all and why we can surrender all and why we can be a living sacrifice? Can we think of any good reasons for that? Perfect will of God, we can trust Him, right? So we can trust Him. Now, based on some of the th things that were said of why we have a hard time surrendering, we can trust him. What are some ways we can trust him specifically? All right, let's go with this one. I'll go with one that was mentioned earlier. Uh, I'm not sure I can do it. I'm not sure I can do it, but I can trust him. Because God doesn't necessarily, God, God does call brilliant people. Uh, I feel like we've got some uh, pretty uh, brilliant people in this church. I feel like I know some pretty brilliant people. God calls brilliant people. Uh, but God does not just call people because they are brilliant. God is not going around looking for... God did not... When God came and saved me and called me to preach, He didn't say, oh my goodness, I better get Him before He becomes a nationally recognized speaker of something else. That was not the concern. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't those things. I, I better snatch him up before he becomes, you know, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Better get to him quick. That wasn't what God was thinking, all right? He come and you, it got, God come and said, watch this. I'm going I'm, I'm to dig that guy up out of the pit, out of the mud, out of the dirt, and I'm going to call him. And I'm going to speak through him, and I'm going to use him. And so that way, when I do bless him, when I do use him, people will be able to say, man, to God be the glory. Because it's not him, it's, it's him. Amen. It's not me, it's the Lord. So absolutely, we can trust him, therefore. Just like Moses, if you know, some of us may have read already this morning in Exodus 3, Lord, who am I? Who am I to go deliver your people? Um, but remember in the passage, God said, it's about who you are. It's about who I am, uh, right? So 
And there you go. We can trust him. Uh, all right, let's think about another one of the reasons specifically that we, that we were using an excuse or whatever you want to call it or struggles that we have in not surrendering. What's another area that we can trust him in then? All right, what was Kurtz? Kurtz was, uh, well, and I think a few people said along these lines, it was kind of about the future. It's kind of like this, I kind of like, I kind of like my current plans. I kind of like to rouse point. I kind of like how things are right now. Uh, it's crazy, isn't it? If we just stop and think about it, but I'm telling you, we all struggle with it, I think. I don't want to throw you in the basket with some of the rest of us, but many of us struggle with this thought. Okay, I'll surrender to the Lord, but I don't know if this is going to be as good as what I had planned. Really? But we, 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 we struggle with that. I don't know if this is as good as what I've got going. I don't know if what God's got is as good as what I've got planned. Um, because we don't know what God has planned. Um, but I'm telling you, uh, I'm thankful that by the grace of God, His plan is better. So I remember, I remember the point when I came and really surrendered my life for the first time to God after I was saved. Uh, one of the things, I'll be honest with you, that I struggled with, going back to one of my mentors, John Melton, he would say, uh, he would say that, that you need to commit, that you need to, 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 to give your life to God, commit to serve God till the day you die. And I thought, well, that seems kind of arrogant. How in the world can I do that? But I remember I struggled and struggled and struggled, and finally I, I came to the altar at uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church in China Grove, North Carolina, and, 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 and I walked the aisle, and I got in the altar one day, and I just said, Dear God, with your help, with your help, Lord, I will serve you till the day I die. I'm surrendering my life to you. I will do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll marry who you want me to marry. I'll, whatever, Lord, I'll do it all. And there's something that just, it was a significant moment in my life. Now, that does not mean that I don't still need to surrender. But being able to go back to making that commitment, I think about the Apostle Paul. Uh, uh, once again, uh, you'll have to help me here because I'm searching for the verse at the moment. But it says, uh, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You know what? We need to commit some things. We need to commit our lives to the Lord. Say, preacher, what if he calls me somewhere I don't want to go, tells me something? <laughs> Understand this. You can trust him. It's better than what you had planned, I promise you. It's better than that. Uh, you know, it's almost like... Uh, it's funny how we want to, we, we don't always want to do the, the way that God, we don't always want to do things the way that God says to do them because they don't always make sense. And sometimes they can be humiliating. So we don't always want to do things the way God said to do. But I'm telling you, man, if we will, we'll see God bless. And so we can trust him. That's a huge reason to be able to surrender your life to the Lord. Uh, any other thoughts before I move on uh, from that? Uh, reasons that we can uh, surrender our lives or should surrender our lives? Okay. Yeah, 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 and it kind of goes there again. But if, if we can just, it's, it's the thing that, 
I don't know. I think sometimes people, even in churches, we do way too, way too often we try to make much of people's abilities and things people are able to do and forget that it's just God who uses people. But, you know, going back to the, the verse I was quoting just quickly, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'm begging you, based on God's mercy, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, a holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable service. After all God's done for us, I believe it's just reasonable to say, you know what, give <laughs> Yeah, Lord, you gave your life for me. You shed your blood for me. I'll give my life for you, Lord. And the thing is, giving our lives for him, man, I'm telling you, there's, there's no greater life. I mean, how many, I, I think about some of the people, just think about some of the people that you may know that are maybe the most committed Christians, you know. I think about maybe some of the, uh, the preachers and missionaries that you may know. I think about the Rochester family. I think about people like that. Aren't they the miserable, miserablest bunch of people you'd ever want to be around? Ain't it awful? Uh, you get around those people that have committed their lives to the Lord that's trying to do, I mean, they're just the, they're just the awfulest bunch. I, I'm, being, I'm just teasing there because they're not. Man, they're happy. They're joyful. Why? Because their lives are surrendered to God. And here we are holding on to our, to our will, holding on to our ideas, and being miserable the whole time when we just need to let go and say, you know what, Lord? I trust you, I give my life for you, 100%. So I challenge you today that if you have never, between you and the Lord, said, Lord, I truly surrender all. Because almost every time, I mentioned it earlier, I don't know about you, but is this just a human thing? I believe it's a human condition. That we really are, Lord, I surrender all. But oftentimes there's one thing, one thing that comes to mind to where we're just like, God, don't know about that. But man, you can trust God with it, all right? So one of the things that made Paul be an effective Christian and have joy and make an impact beyond the grave, and when I say he has joy, I don't want to say that it's always easy or anything like that, but I'm telling you there's nothing greater uh, so Paul had a surrendered position. He surrendered to the Lord. Last week we also talked about his sacred purpose. He was an apostle. He was one sent with the commission, uh, just as we all have a commission. We have the Great Commission. He was a missionary to the Gentiles, verses 5 through 7. Uh, the Bible says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations. Nations, there refers to the Gentiles, for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. And I love, I love the, the, the repetition of the word called there, called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, he was a preacher of the gospel. He was a missionary. Missionary is the Latin form of apostle, one who is sent. The word called there, man, I'm glad that we were called. I mean, God calls men and women, boys and girls to salvation. God calls those who are saved. Every one of you have a calling. We have a calling 
We have a commission. We have the calling to be saints. Whether you, whether you know it or not, you are, if you're saved, you are a saint in your position. Now, you may not live much like a saint, uh, but the Bible says we are saints, positionally speaking. We are put in Christ, and really the idea of a saint is one who is set aside. It's that, that holy uh, nature. It does not speak of someone who is sinless, uh, but it speaks of someone who has been set aside, set apart in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so, called, called to be a saint. Now, when we get down to Paul's specific calling, look at verse 8. Well, that's, I'm sorry, I should just pause right there to say again that he, that's what he was. He was called to be an apostle. He was called to be uh, someone who would represent Christ to the nations, the Gentile nations. Just a moment ago, I mentioned this, and this is sometimes a debate, and some of you, depending on your background, we've got, we got people from all kinds of different backgrounds, but there's some of us that share similar backgrounds. But Romans chapter 12, it talks about the perfect will of God. And I believe that's just to say that God does have something specific for every one of us. Uh, there's a general will of God, I believe, for all of us, if you want to say it that way. If you're saved by the grace of God, you're called to be a witness for Christ. You're called to be a saint. You're called into holiness. You're called to uh, separation. You're called to uh, you know, ha having a walk with God, being, being, being a part of a local church. All of those things are things that are general. There's things that that are general, that are the will of God for everybody. And in a sense, they're the perfect will of God because it's what God wants for every life. I say it this way, you don't have to, there's some things you don't have to pray about. You know, there's some things you don't have to pray about. There's some things you just look in the Word of God, it says to do it, we do it. Uh, we don't go by emotions or feelings or anything else. God said do it, we do it. Um, you know, I, I, I've talked to people before, and uh, you, ever, you ever known people like this? I've talked to people before, and... Uh, uh, and I'm talking about saved people now. Uh, well, man, ho hope to see you at church tomorrow. Well, I'm praying about it. Praying about it. Well, God bless your heart. Here's the, you don't need to pray about it, uh, right? Uh, you don't need to pray about whether or not you go to church or not. You don't need to pray about you know, whether you read your Bible or not or pray. I mean, it's just things that we all do. But again, the perfect will of God, God really has placed every one of us on this earth for a reason. And, uh, and, and the great news is God isn't done with you yet. I don't care where you are in your life. God is not done with you yet. And I know that because you're still here. And I'm confident of that. Um, so, uh, but, but Paul's purpose uh, was specifically to the Gentiles. But there's some cool things as we go on into verse number 8 that, that I love seeing here in relation to just a reminder of the work of God and what it means to be a Christian. Notice verse number 8. The Bible says, first... I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Man, he just is thankful for these people. Um, and I, I believe that's a, a, a wonderful thing. Aren't you glad for the people of God? The church is not a perfect bunch of people. Uh, we're, we're a bunch of imperfect people. We all have our faults and our failures. Uh, but man, I love God's people, and I'm thankful for God's people. We can sometimes get focused on something, because I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. I know one thing for sure. You can meet some of the meanest people you ever care to meet in church. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, 
That, that can happen, all right? You say, well, where are you going with this? I thought you were just talking about being thankful. I am. But I just got to point out, man, there's been a lot of people hurt in church, and I don't know, I'm really not too sure there's a worse hurt than church hurt. I know family hurt may be up there, but, man, church hurt is rough. And, and I know, I know that there's some places in Sioux City or in Sioux Falls, even in Elk Point perhaps, that you could have been last night where maybe there's a chance of you getting punched or cut or shot or something like that happen. But I'm telling you, there's churches across and around here that there's a whole lot worse than that going on this morning in those churches. A whole lot worse than that. You mean worse of being stabbed, worse of being cut, worse of being shot? Absolutely. When you have people that are supposed to be representing God, that are uh, you know that that are uh, that are hurting people, that are uh, ostracizing people, that are uh, you know shutting up the windows of heaven, as Jesus said to the Pharisees toward people. There's a lot worse going on that in church. I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that within churches you can honestly meet some of the meanest people you'd ever care to meet. Meanest people. And the worst thing is, a lot of times, the meanest people you ever want to meet can look a lot like this. <laughs> meanest ones. They don't have up scarred faces and all that. Uh, they got their fake, nice, holier than thou and all that business. Uh, now, but I'm going to back off from that because I, I, I say that to acknowledge that. I say that to acknowledge that. But what I want to say today is this, man, thank God for God's people. I know there's some mean ones out there that claim to be God's people, but I thank God for the people. I, I, I just can't help but think about the church that I got saved in was Harvest Baptist Church in Bessemer City, North Carolina. And uh, man, I tell you what, uh, those people, I thank God for them. I, to this very day, you'll hear me from time to time mention some of those names. I, I think about some of the sweet, sweet ladies. And, and I, by the way, I appreciate... Uh, the spirit and the attitude of this church because man it meant a lot when I'd go to church and these people in the church were glad I was there and genuinely loved me and they didn't just love me when I was looking good and doing good they loved me when I was doing bad too uh they loved me <laughs> you know one thing I remember it's funny looking back on things because for, for whatever reason I mentioned I, the, the lady that comes to mind right now is a uh, is a lady by the name of uh, uh Barbara Keener and uh, she was a sweet little lady in the church, and just she was one of those just outgoing. She was, uh, you know, uh, we, we didn't have an official greeting team, but she was just one of those that always just loving and caring and greeting people real smiley. And, uh, uh, and, just, and I think of other ones, but I think of her in particular. She, she loved me uh, when I was doing good, but I remember, uh, man, this is embarrassing. I, I shared this not too long ago. I think I just shared it a week or two ago, uh, maybe even on Wednesday, come think about it, because I was preaching to the teens. Um, but I was talking about a time after I got saved that I got out of church. Um, and uh, again, I'd got a job, you know, the all-important job, teenage job, you know, washing dishes for folks at the country club. And uh, it, started, it, it got me getting out of church. And the more I got out of church, I started getting out of church. And then I, the more I got out of church, the more I started hanging out with my, uh, my buddies. And I just started kind of going down the wrong way again. And a lot of people are surprised. If you look at me, you can see I've got two holes. Well, I guess I got four holes in my ears. I got these two, and then I got two extra over here on this side. Um, and uh, <laughs> my son says, is that the gay side? <laughs> like, no, son, shut up. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> 
I don't, even, I don't even know if they talk like that anymore, by the way. Uh, my son does. But uh, anyway, it wasn't until after I got saved uh, that I got my ear pierced. Now, there's some of you not wondering about, we're wondering whether or not I'm saved right now, okay? Uh, but I remember me and my buddy were going to go to church because we'd still go to church some. Uh, and I was going to go into church, and it was, and he uh i don't i i don't know where the old boy was saved to be honest with you me and him supposedly got saved the same day but it wasn't long after we got saved till he started trying to justify our past sins and kind of go back into that wasn't too long but regardless whether he's saved or not one thing i can tell you is that he was looking forward to going into church with his ears pierced because we both went and got our ears pierced because it was going it was kind of like a rebellious thing you know he was going to show them and uh and uh, so, and, and so I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. And we got to church, and I'm like, man, I ain't going in there with these things in my ears. I, I cannot do it. And I'm not picking on anybody that's got their ears pierced, but I'm just telling you, that's what I did. And so I remember I went over to, uh, on the outside of the building, and listen, I had just got my ears pierced like a day or two before. And I went to the outside of that building, and I took those studs out of my ear. And when I did, blood everywhere. My ear was all swollen up and red, and I had blood on my shirt, and I still went to church because I was there. Uh, but I can remember Barbara laughing at me. Uh, I can remember Barbara, the sweet little lady I was talking about, not laughing at me in some kind of mean, maniacal way, but she just she was just laughing on the whole situation. But the point is, she didn't, she didn't judge me. She, she thought it was funny. She's seen it kind of for what it was, that I had let the world kind of make a fool out of me. That's, she's seen it for what it was, but again, uh, I don't know why I had to say all that, but the, the thing is, is there wasn't any hard coming down, what kind of crazy rebel are you? It was just like, you know what, we still love you. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for the people of God. I'm thankful for those people in that church. I'm thankful for the people in this church. I'm thankful for Christians. I really am, aren't you? I'm thankful for the church. And that's what Paul's saying right here. I am thankful for you. I thank God for you. And we ought to be thankful for each other. If we're not careful, we can do a couple of things. Number one, we can sometimes focus on a few people that are jerks. Uh, just that we've come across in our lives that claim to be Christians. or uh, I really can't think of a jerk in this church. Uh, you know, I can think of people with abrasive attitudes, but they're not jerks, okay? They're just funny. Um, but, uh, but you know other people that are just like jerks or something. And, and if you're not careful, you can just focus on a couple of people. Sometimes focus on the people with the biggest mouths or something, you know. But, uh, man, we got some precious people, man. And you can but, and, and just, just think about those. And, and the problem with all of us are, the problem with you, let me tell you the problem with you, is you're flawed. You are flawed. Uh, you have... You have some sort of personality flaw, no doubt. Uh, you have your issues. Yes, even you, Eric. Uh, all of us, and I do too. But the thing is, is we understand something. We understand that we're flawed individuals. And we, 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 don't, we don't judge just because you're flawed in an area and I'm not flawed. I'm not going to pick on you because you're flawed and I'm not flawed in that area. 
uh, man, we understand that we're just all a bunch of sinners trying to get help. And we can be transparent, we can be honest with somebody, and be honest with each other, and we can say, hey, here's what I'm struggling with right now, pray for me. The, the, the church has gone so wrong, churches, to where you have to come in and act like some kind of super saint. Or it's so unbiblical. So unbiblical. You do not find that in the Word of God. Paul repeatedly shows a sense of vulnerability and transparency. It's not about going around and trying to act like some kind of super saint. We ought to try to live for God to the utmost of our ability. But when we do that, we still know that we come short. We still know that throughout the course of the week, we have different temptations and struggles and trials. And we just need to be honest and pray for each other because I'm, I'm so thankful that we can do that without worrying about the judgment of it. Uh, you know, you know people tell me things that's going on in their lives. And sometimes as a pastor, people really open up to me with things they're struggling with. And you can tell they're hesitant. And you can tell they're thinking, oh, my goodness. Preacher, I don't know if you're ready to hear this or not. And they tell me, and, I'm, and, and literally, I cannot think of a time to where I've been taken aback or stunned by what somebody's told me about themselves or something going on in their lives. I can't think of a time. Uh, I'm not saying there's not one, but literally, one does not come to mind. You know why? Because I know what I'm capable of, and therefore I know what you're capable of, and so it doesn't surprise me because I know that we're just all a bunch of sinners saved by the grace of God. Uh, but I'm thankful for the church. That's the point that I'm trying to make. In verse 8, he was thankful for these people. He said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And, you know, uh, I, I want to say in regards to Elk Point Baptist Church, man, I am thankful for the testimony of Elk Point Baptist Church. You know, even people I've heard criticize Elk Point Baptist Church, I, most of those criticisms I take, I take as compliments. You know, I kid you not, you know, I, I told you before, you know, the, the one, one I've repeated often, uh, you know, I took as a big compliment, and I said, man, we might just put that on our literature. Oh, the love church, huh? Guilty! <laughs> Guilty! Uh, right? Uh, and so, so even that stuff I take for God, man, the, 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 the El Point Baptist Church, I thank God for you. I thank God for your faithfulness and how your faith is spoken of. There's a witness. But notice verse number 9, the Bible says, For God is my witness. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So again, you say, what's this got to do with being an effective Christian? I believe being thankful and loving God's people is important if we're going to be effective Christians. And then what he goes on to do also is he prays for them. Man, pray for one another. And the greatest thing that we can do is pray for one another. Be there for one another. Pray for one another. Um, and one of the reasons that we need to be able to be honest about what we're facing in life is so that we can pray for, pray for one another more, uh, with, with more knowledge. If we've got to come into church and put on our mask and pretend like everything's all good, because there, for some reason people don't think People think it's wrong not to be okay. I'm telling you, man, a lot of times we're just not okay. And it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to say, I'm not okay. I'm really struggling right now. I'm really struggling right now. I'm really struggling with temptation right now. I need some prayers. Uh, I'm really struggling with, uh, with depression right now. I need your prayers. 
I'm really struggling with anger right now. I need your prayers. Uh, that's the way we need to be able to be with. But we, we, you can't ever get any help if you got to always go around acting like you've got it all together all the time. And 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 I'll say this, and my and my time is up. But uh, and this is maybe a weird place to stop. But besides the fact that it's time to stop, but a weird place to stop in what I'm saying. But in, in the context of that, I believe it's very very important that you have somebody in your life. I, for for one thing, I need, I believe we need to be pretty open and transparent in general but i think it's real important to have somebody in your life that you can trust and open up with about the worst of you your worst struggles your worst temptations um if you knew if you knew the amount of people the 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 number of people in general the number and this the the numbers and this just comes to mind because i'm thinking about men right now if you knew the numbers of men that struggle with pornography in churches today it blow oh they could that never happen in ch- it does and you know what there's some of them can't get any help for about it because they can't tell anybody and i'm telling you satan satan if you want to give power to satan give him some secrets keep some secrets and i'm telling you every secret you keep every secret that you have is a wall it it, it ends up being a stronghold in your mind for satan to be able to effectively work behind and and help defeat you in your life every secret but man if you could just find somebody you can trust enough to come clean and say man pray for me i'm struggling in this area you know whatever it is i I mentioned pornography because i thought that was a pretty shameful uh, thing that we could be uh, a guy could really be ashamed about but so whatever it is somebody that you can say Man, pray for me. I'm struggling with this. Um, and so somebody you can be open up with, somebody you can be transparent with, somebody you can get help with, because I'm telling you, there is a power. There is a real power in taking off the mask. There's a real power in taking off the mask and say, pray for me. I've been struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness. Pray for me. I've been having, pray for me. I, I hadn't had the faith to give faithfully i haven't been tithing i haven't been giving it pray for me i'm I'm struggling with my faith i i just get i get nervous when it comes to i mean and i'm telling you i thank god that this is a church and this church is a people that listen that that it's you can you can there's a lot of people you can talk to and be open around here um so anyway i better i better just stop right there but to say that we can thank God for each other, one another, we can pray for one another. And the more open we are with each other, the more we can pray for one another. Amen? Uh, all right, well, uh, you're dismissed. Thank you for your time and attention and input.